0: Tacovas, oh yeah. I was just looking at some pictures of a concert Luke Bryan, my wife and I went to, I don't know, 10 years ago. She had some old cowboy boots on. This is like a couple weeks ago. And I said, You, you need some new boots because we're going to see Luke Combs. So she went to tecovas.com, and they're just perfect. She loves them. You can do the same. You go to tacovas.com. These boots are Austin designed, Texas tested handmade down in the boot capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. If you've ever wondered, can I pull off cowboy boots? Then you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see they'll become your new favorite footwear. Cowboys knew what they were doing when they invented Western wear, and it's all kinds of Western staples. Trucker jackets, the perfect jeans to go with your boots, performance pearl snaps, cowboy hats, bandanas, you name it, they'll get you outfitted. If you can't make it to a store, Tecovas delivers the most premium quality, most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world. The nerds will help you get smarter about balancing your portfolio and avoiding scams so your money is just as safe as betting against the Cowboys in the playoffs. Planning your tax bill so you don't dread April every year. And saving on travel. Vacations coming. You spend less on airfare, it means you're not choosing between surf or turf. It's surf and turf for dinner and maybe even an extra night stay. So listen to Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Middle Baby hey, big day on the show today, John. Big, 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 big,
1: big, 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 big day. Can't wait, baby. Can't wait. Kyle Juszczyk, Juice, joins us on the show. Not Orenthal, but
0: the other Juice, Kyle Juszczyk. On my list of questions that ended up on the cutting room floor was, what's it like to share a nickname with OJ? But we didn't get to that because we he, he was fantastic. Uh, we won't tell you so much about how good he was because you'll just hear him coming up. Uh, my only regret from the interview, John, besides not asking about O.J. Simpson, was I didn't call him juice enough. I wish I'd called him juice every time I asked him a question. Now juice, you know.
1: In well, he brought it when he, and you'll hear this in the interview when he said his. I assumed it was like a got it in the league, like it was someone gave it to him in Baltimore when he was young, maybe like yeah. uh, you know, and Ed Reed is like juice. But it he mentions that this his uh college coach at Harvard called him into the office, am I remembering correctly, he said Juice, come in. Yeah, uh, whatever. Yeah. He's yeah, definitely got a chance to make the NFL when he was so maybe it's sophomore. a high school thing. Maybe he's had it since he was
0: young. Uh, that'll be for the next interview. You know, you would think you have an hour with a guy, you'd get to that, but uh, we didn't.
1: If I had to if I had to uh, guess how he got it his name is hard to spell yeah so it's probably just one of those maybe middle school you just go by juice instead of like you you know I can't imagine the substitute teacher going Kyle G-G-G-G-G-G. exactly <laughs> you know I think he's probably with, right. like guy Haberman John middle Middle off? <laughs> yeah. no
0: no mrs Johnson like I, I I can't imagine John there's two Z's I don't know how many names yeah. have two Z's but his does. Samarj's, Samarj's got a weird Samarj's, one Samarj's got another difficult one Anyway, so Juice joins us today uh, Don't forget, we'll get to a mailbag at the end Subscribe, rate, review on iTunes Five stars And uh, leave us a question in your mailbag And uh, we'll get to it
1: Yes, we will We also have a bunch of separate content Separate from the uh, the podcast Up on this thing called YouTube uh, Just type in Haberman and Middlecoff And uh, we've got a ton of content up
0: yeah. there One thing we like to do especially after an interview like we do with Juice, is we talk about on YouTube a lot of the stuff that he told us. So it's like, uh, you know, after the interview, we go through some of the stuff he said and react to it. All that's on YouTube. And you can just watch the whole interview with him if you want on YouTube. I should say one thing. Since we're doing a video interview with him, we do show him some pictures. Like the first thing we show him is a photo of him and George Kittle and Kyle Shanahan's son riding through Cabo on a golf cart. I say that only because you won't you don't know that there's a photo there. That's why we start talking about it. But just be aware of some of that uh, during the interview. All right, middle cough. How great is this? Five straight <laughs> <Pro> <laughs> <laughs> uh, free eight The only free agent OW on the market. Kyle Juszczyk shows right. us on the podcast. Welcome, man. Hey, what's going on, guys? How you doing? I'm
2: good, man. It's, uh, like I was telling you guys off air, I'm, I'm a regular listener to... Haberman and
0: Middlecoff, promo code ham, promo code ham. Oh, so, oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> excited to chop it up, man.
0: What would you say you use promo code ham on the most? I don't know what, you know, not everything is legal depending on the state you're in.
2: I'm going to be honest, I haven't used it, but I, I'm well aware that it's out there.
0: <laughs> that's good. We were wondering, because John and I have, uh, I don't know, we, what's happening here if there was some promo code ham involved?
2: <laughs> that's a great, that's a great pick. Um yeah, me, me and George went down uh, to Cabo for a week with with a couple other people, our wives, and um, Kyle had us out to his uh, his dad as a member at a, one of the golf courses there. So uh, we got to go play with him and his dad, and just had an absolute blast. And uh, you see, Carter jumped on the on the cart with us at the end, and it was it was chauffeuring us around. I,
1: I know you've you know you've only played for Harbaugh and Kyle, but. I'm sure you got friends in the league and other places. That's probably not that normal to just go and <laughs> hang out with your head coach. And no. I mean, his dad just happens to be a Super Bowl champ. That's that's pretty cool.
2: No, I'm well aware of uh, how not normal that is. And when I do talk to guys, I'm like, "What you're, you're on vacation and you're golfing with your head coach?" And is it, yeah, like you said, it's Hall of Fame dad. What do you like? <laughs> this is we, we have a whole different experience uh, in San Francisco, and I'm well aware of that. And that's something that. Honestly, I've cherished so much and uh, something I've been so like honored to be a prou- a part of uh, just because it really is special. Like it's just a special group. Um, you know, you always hear about our locker room and just how we think it's different. And I think that's just kind of like an example of it. Uh, I just don't know anybody else who's doing that with their head coach.
0: Do you think that's why you guys I mean, you guys went through a lot this year to go spent, you know, to be suddenly thrown into this long road trip to end the season without really much anticipation or planning and John and I talked about this a lot uh, at no point during the year did you look like a team that I mean I know you're in Cabo the famous like Denver Nuggets one two three Cabo huddle like you guys <laughs> never looked like a one two three Cabo team you never played that way even when it looked like the playoffs are going to be really tough to get to and then the playoffs were impossible is is that why
2: yeah, I definitely think so. Just because when you have that kind of relationship, it's easier to hold everybody accountable. You know, when uh, when you're not really close with somebody and you see them, you know, kind of starting to let up and like you said, starting to plan their season plans already and aren't really locked into the games anymore. If I'm not tight with you, it's hard for me to really say anything. And even if I do, it's hard for that person to really accept it. Um, so when you're actually tight with somebody, you can, you can check them and be like, Oh, are you in today? Like, are, are you, are you all in? And uh, that's why I think, like you said, you, you don't really, you didn't see us um, look like a team that didn't want to be there. You know, even despite the, the crazy circumstances, we still, you know, we're happy to go out there, practice, work hard, just because that's, that's just how we do it. And we really don't know any
1: other way. Can we get back to, like, is Kyle ripping tequila shots and shotgunning beers? Or is he kind of (laughs) around you guys? I mean, how how does that go? I
2: don't want to give away all the secrets, but we were definitely having a ton of fun out there, man. Like, a little, definitely too much fun. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We were not out there just to
0: play golf. The, the from, golf cart says Shanahan on it was something. Yeah. Annoying. From
1: the stories I hear, Mike, I don't, is, is Mike looking at Kyle and you guys like, what is going on? Cause the stories I hear about Mike, I don't know if Mike was doing that with like Elway and Bill Romanowski. <laughs> for
2: sure. I was, I, uh, I was nudging Mike a couple of times cause you know, as, as we're on the golf course, Kyle's getting all kinds of phone calls cause he's, he was still in the hiring process, um, you know, oh, looking yeah. for different coaches and that kind of stuff. And, He's getting calls from coaches. Uh, He's got um, Prague on the line. And I just bumped Mike. I'm like, is this how you used to run your teams back in Denver? Like, is this how you hired your defense coordinator or whatever? Um, And he just laughed. It's just, you know, um, Kyle just has his own way of doing things. And he does such a good job of, like, keeping it loose, keeping it casual, but also um, bringing definitely a, a seriousness and a professionalism to it. He's got a good knack for that.
0: I'll show you one of John's favorite photos. Speaking just, uh, just because you said seriousness,
2: <laughs> no, you can see that he gets locked in when he needs to. It, I I feel like him and John are just those kind of guys that um, they work extremely hard, and then when it's time to relax, they relax extremely hard. <laughs>
1: You know, what's crazy is like, you've got to be around John a lot. And obviously you're playing in the league right now. When I worked in the NFL, I worked with Lewis Riddick and he was, you know, a safety like that. And I don't know if you've met him or not, but he all the safeties from the nineties are bigger than you. And now the safeties are smaller (laughs) and faster. Like, isn't it kind of crazy how the league has morphed into those guys, but you see John Lynch, you're like, Oh my, these guys are huge. It's
2: wild. Yeah. I mean, if you look at John Lynch, there's no doubt he's an outside linebacker defensive like he's setting the edge you know this guy's not roaming around in in the backfield like that um but i think it just it's uh an adaptation that had to happen with just how the rules have changed um you know it's you need guys that can uh fly around and not just rely on you know taking people's heads off you know you got to be able to uh to move in space a little bit better. Uh, not not taken away from the fact that, um, you know, I think John definitely could do that as well. Um, but I just think it's a, it's a different athlete back there now.
1: But I even think you're a good example how the league is, me and Guy, Fresno State guys and buddies with Lorenzo Neal, and the fullback position used to be true, just like hammer down the pipe, right, lead blocker. And now it's kind of adapted into just guys in the league, but you're kind of the leader in that of just – being able to do more or else you just won't will not play in the nfl yeah without a doubt i mean there's
2: been a 30 pound difference um from my rookie year to me now i was i was close to 260 my rookie wow. year um and it's because I, I had vante leach as my my mentor and you know my my coaches were telling me like you know juice pack on the weight that that's that's what a fullback looked like even just eight years ago. Yeah. Um, now I'm playing closer to 225, between 225 and 230. Um, and it's funny like when I meet people in public, they can't believe I play fullback. Uh, just literally like two days ago, a guy was dropping off firewood, saw a Niners helmet um, in the house, and he goes, "Oh my gosh, you play for the Niners?" I said, yeah. He goes. <laughs> What position? You you got to be like a free safety, uh, you know, an inside linebacker. I'm like, no, man, I'm a fullback. It was a little small for a fullback, aren't you? <laughs> and if I hadn't gotten that comment so many times, I might have actually been like a little offended and wanted to, you know, beef it up a little bit. But <laughs> I literally get that comment so often that I'm so used to it. And uh, I take no offense because I know like people, they have um, an image in their head of what a fullback's supposed to look like. And if you're not completely dialed into today's game and you're not seeing me out there all the time, uh, you're just not used to seeing um, someone my size.
0: Watching some Ravens highlights, it looked like, was there a brief period where you wore like a, a light neck roll? There were a couple games where it looked like maybe you had gone like full fullback. <sighs> it, it, was, it wasn't by choice. I don't think I ever
2: had it in a game, but if I, it haunts me to this day that if you look up my name on Wikipedia – there's a picture of the worst practice of my life where I, they, the trainers forced me to wear a neck roll because I had just gotten steamrolled the day before uh, short yardage and goal line, only fullback on the roster and just absolutely obliterated my neck. And so the next day they're like, you have to wear uh, a neck collar to practice. And that goes against like everything I believe in. Cause like I, <laughs> I, I see myself as an athlete, like I'm, I'm trying to run routes out there. I'm not, uh, completely just trying to slam my head in the wall. Yeah, there you go. That, <laughs> if anybody out there can get, get that change for me, that would be greatly appreciated.
0: I think literally out. anybody can. <laughs> I, I've literally
1: tried. I don't know why I can't figure Seriously? it out. Seriously? <laughs> yeah, right. I really okay. can't. Hamless, okay, somebody can we-
0: change Kyle's uh, <laughs> wiki photo.
1: Can we rewind because you said, I want to be viewed as an athlete. Give me one thing, you're coming from Texas, coming from Ohio State. You came from Harvard, so let's go a little cliff note version like high school what was high school kyle use check like you know ended up at harvard is not your traditional path to the league did you yeah. at what point in time in college did you even think this is possible like it just how did it all play out just high school yeah, through college. Um,
2: a small small country high school um but kind of like now i, I played every position um i played quarterback running back receiver tight end Um, It really just depended on the play. It was kind of wherever the ball was going, I went to that position. Um, And defense, I was an inside linebacker. And really, I got most of my um, recognition as an inside linebacker. Most teams uh, recruited me as an inside linebacker. uh, But Harvard was um, one of only two teams that wanted me to play offense. And early on in my high school career, I was all about defense because that's how I got my first varsity start. That was getting me on the field. I was having success. But it was my senior year that I really started getting going on offense. Started scoring touchdowns. I'm like, damn, this is a lot more fun scoring touchdowns. So I wanted to take that into college. Um, And that wasn't the only, obviously not the only reason I picked Harvard, but it was a small reason uh, because I wanted to continue to play offense. Um, So yeah, that was like uh, my part of my decision in in going there. uh, Wasn't like heavily recruited. the like, did you have Division One, One,
1: One or, or Power Five offers?
0: No,
2: the only Division One offer I had was Miami of Ohio. And they only made the offer after I called the the coach that was recruiting me uh, and told him, said, hey, I'm going to accept this offer to go to Harvard. And he was really, he's like, well, what would a scholarship to Miami do for that? And I'm like, eh, probably nothing. Because uh, honestly, the... I don't think they won a game. They were 0-11 like the year prior. And I still, you know, there were guys... Every year we put at least um, one guy in the league from Harvard and they were winning the Ivy League every year. They have, um, you know, the top winning percentage in um, one AA for a while there. So uh, I just felt like that was a good fit for me.
0: But were you like at what point if you're going to go to Harvard, you've got to start being ready to go to Harvard probably before Harvard starts recruiting you, right? Like academically.
1: You're all right. Sorry, Sorry, somebody just walked in. Um. Got that Pro Bowl bonus money doing some renovations. As long (laughs) as you don't turn into a cat during this video, it's fine.
2: Uh, Sorry, guys. Say that
0: again. I was just saying, if you're going to go to Harvard to play football, academically, you probably have to be preparing yourself for Harvard before you even realize Harvard is recruiting you to play football, right? Like You had to have, from a transcript standpoint, really impressive work going back before your junior year.
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I just, I had always had good grades. Um, a little bit of that. I think I, it's not that I didn't go to the t- toughest high school in the world. Um, I, you know, I should give myself a little bit more credit, but, um, uh, it, it was honestly, it, it was pretty easy. And, um, I was lucky enough to, uh, we had a program. Uh, it was like a distance learning thing where you could take classes at Akron university while you were in high school. And it was something my older brother had done. Uh so I started doing it my junior year and um it added like an extra weight to your grades. So instead of like a 4.0 there was on a 5.0 scale. So when Harvard saw I, I had like a, a 4.6 GPA or something like that and then I tested really well in the ACT and SAT. Um it, it was pretty easy for them to uh to get me in once they saw I could uh, I could play some ball too.
1: So at what point in time when your career's going on there would you say you thought about pro football
2: yeah it was something i always dreamed about and it was like something i wasn't gonna speak openly about but it's something i I definitely wanted to do and it was after my sophomore spring my head coach um brought me in and was like i you know i had two really good seasons already i started as a freshman um and he basically just sat me down and said you know joseph this is something you want to do professionally it can happen. He's like, I'm not guaranteeing anything. He's like, but if you continue to progress, uh, you know, yourself. he's like, I really think we can get you in the league. And I think it was just getting that validation from him uh, just because I respected the guy so much and felt like he really truly knew what he was talking about, that that kind of pushed me over the edge. of like, you know what? I can do this. This isn't just some pipe dream that I have to be quiet about. Um, and I think that's when I started openly talking about it. Uh, you know, when guys would ask, like, you know, just like, what do you want to do after you graduate? Like, what kind of jobs you at? do you look internships? There, I didn't do any of those. I didn't go to job fairs. I didn't do any internships. I didn't do any of that. Um, I, I was 100%. I wanted to play football. Uh, so I just kind of put all my eggs in that basket. And like I said, I think it was my head coach giving me that validation that was, uh, know yeah. Gave me the confidence to do that.
0: It seems like Harvard had been spe- like had a position that was just waiting for the NFL to need it, right? Yeah, definitely. Um,
2: our whole offense was a, was a two tight end offense. Um, I mean, you saw one of the guys in the Super Bowl, Cam Bray, uh, That's my guy. We played together for three years, and it was him and I didn't come off the field. It did not matter uh, whether he's you know it didn't matter the situation, short yardage, goal line. Uh, third and long, whatever, everything was ran out of two tight ends. And him and I would just switch out who was the Y and who was the F. And uh, it was pretty cool because I really got to develop uh, a unique skill set that did transfer into the NFL um, pretty well because I, I played all over the field. And I think that's something uh, that we're seeing more is guys play multiple positions. I mean, you see, I mean, Debo Samuel, wide receiver, but the guy basically is a running back um and george kittle like you know tight end guys basically receiver like everybody has to be able to um dip into a little bit of other positions and uh you know i got four years of that um and i I feel like that really prepared me for the nfl
1: so you went to the senior bowl
2: right yep yeah and that's and that's where i the first time i played fullback like officially and i think that um once nfl gms and stuff were able to see me Line up, play fullback. Um, you know, like full time. That's when uh, they, they were able to find a, a spot for me.
1: So once you do the draft process leading into the draft, guy had mentioned to me this morning you had a draft party. Uh, you know, a little risky, I'd say. If you're not like you, you just never know. Pack packed house, <laughs> John. The video is incredible. Yeah. Tom Brady goes with <laughs> the famous story that him and his dad were doing laps around the the cul-de-sac crying. When, when you get drafted <laughs> as a fourth-round pick, but even once you go to OTAs and rookie mini camp, once you go into training camp, because fourth round, I'd say it's probably right on the line of like, you're probably making the team, but you still got to earn it. Did you did you yeah. feel confident you were going to make the team? Or are you a little nervous, like, I got to show out for the next month and a half in front of Harbaugh and Ozzie to make this squad?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, before I get into that, let me double back to the draft party. Cause I feel like you guys yeah. really appreciate this. <laughs> so like you said, definitely a, a little bit of a, a risky take, a you know, Harvard guy uh, playing fullback and throwing a draft party. Um, I was feeling good cause my agent had told me, um, you know, I expect you to go somewhere in the fourth to sixth round. So I'm like, okay, I, I think this can happen. I'm going to, I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to have this draft party. Um, have a bunch of people at the house. We're having a great time, get drafted. You know, the best days of my life, Um, my mom had picked up a meat tray for the party at one of like the local butchers and this meat had gone bad. And so everybody at the party got food poisoning, me included. And so, you know, I got all my high school, like college buddies, they're all staying at the house. Like we're all having a good time, like celebrating and everybody gets crushed at the end of the night. Everyone has food poisoning. Well, then our septic tank breaks. So nobody can go to the bathroom in the house.
0: On the greatest <laughs> so day of your life. Like,
2: greatest day of my life just turned into a complete nightmare by the end of the night. Uh, so you can only imagine, you know, how that ended up for everybody. Uh, it's like a line <laughs> in the hallway. In the, yeah, so luckily we lived out in the country and, you know, there were other places to go to the bathroom than just in the house. But
1: Don't they, uh, don't they fly you was, to Baltimore the next day?
2: Um, it was a little different back then. I don't, I think I had a week until I had to go. Oh, okay. Um,
1: I think I had a week
2: until we ever communicate. Yeah. Oh, that would have been even worse. Um, but yeah, I just figured you guys appreciate that story. So I'll throw that in there.
0: Because um, we talk about food yes, poisoning as- on the podcast all the time. Is that how you knew that? Well, <laughs> oh, it's, it's just <laughs> asking once you get it. I mean, we have, we have actually, how it's funny it. you say that. We have discussed, like when we have people on, you know, asking similar questions and we've discussed, should one question always be, what's the worst food poisoning you've ever had? Cause everyone has a food poisoning
1: story. Is that the worst yeah. one?
2: I think that's, yeah, I definitely think that's it. I think the, one the timing time, of it too.
1: Yeah. The one time I got it, I legitimately was in my bed thinking like, this is what death feels like. I'm dead serious. It crossed my mind. It's yeah. just the most miserable feeling I've ever had in my entire life. It's absolutely terrible. Um,
2: I had it one. I had it last year. I'm trying to remember. I think it might've been after the NFC championship and um because a bunch of people on the team got sick and i had to have uh, somebody come to the house and give us an iv which was a complete lifesaver but that, i mean that's not something i always knew about uh so <laughs> yeah. recommendation if you ever get it get an iv that helps a lot wow um but that's how you started question, the, that's
0: how you started the week before the super bowl was with yeah. food poisoning
2: yeah
1: jesus
0: ideal right
2: <laughs> um But as a fourth-round pick, yeah, I was definitely – I was not – when I got drafted, it wasn't like, okay, I made made the team. I definitely did not feel that way. Um, I did feel better that when I got drafted, they released Vontae. And so it was kind of my job to lose. Like I said, I was the only fullback on the roster. Um, The only trouble was that um, Jim Caldwell was our OC, and he really didn't want to use a fullback, didn't really use a fullback all that much. Um, so my lips were my, my reps were already limited. Uh, and as a rookie, um, who had never truly played fullback, like I had done a, a little bit of it, but never just like dedicated myself to being in the I formation and, um, you know, running down linebackers and stuff, I definitely didn't impress my first couple weeks. And I, I and I knew it, like I was very well aware of it. So, um, my big thing was like, all right, I got to dominate on special teams. Like I got to be a dog on special teams. And, um, lucky enough, like I, I was like, I, I was playing really well on special teams. I remember, uh, my very first NFL snap preseason game in Tampa, run down on a punt, make the tackle. And, um, I remember just like coming off the field and, uh, our special teams coach coming up to me. He's like, that's how you make the team right there. Uh, so I knew I was going to have to make plays on special teams, uh, especially because They brought Vontae back after they had seen me play uh, fullback for a couple live reps once we put the pads on, which goes back to our story of me wearing the neck roll Uh, because I just got absolutely obliterated. So the next day I had to wear a neck roll and Vontae Leach was back on the roster. (laughs) So you can imagine where my confidence was at that point. Uh, So, yeah, I I knew I was going to have to grind to make the team.
0: John, let's take a quick break from Juice to remind everybody that you can save 50% on a Sleep Number 360 limited edition smart bed plus special
1: financing on all smart beds, limited time. Go to sleepnumber.com slash ham. Yep, guy. You've had a Sleep Number bed. I've had a Sleep Number bed now for a long time. And listen, I'm not like a Michael Jordan, like a Tiger Woods, where you read about these guys like they only need like three or four hours to recharge. Put their head down at, at midnight, back up at 4 30 in the morning. I'm a guy. I think you're a guy. Most of guys, I'm sure, listening need that seven to eight range and need a good night's sleep. And that's where you separate. Because most people you see slogging around, even in this, even in Corona, it's like, where's your energy? What are you doing when you're out, you know, doing whatever you're doing? You need energy. That's where sleep number comes in. Sleep number sleepers, uh, studies show sleep much better. And the better you sleep, The more advantages you have in life, the more advantages you have in business, I can't recommend it enough. Sleepnumber.com slash ham. That's right.
0: Smart bed features work. Sleep number 360 smart bed features get you almost 100 more hours of proven quality sleep per year. Right now, get that quality, life-changing sleep and save 50% on sleep number 360 limited edition smart beds, plus special financing on all smart beds only for a limited time at sleep number
1: stores or sleepnumber.com slash ham yep sleepnumber.com slash ham proven quality sleep is life changing 50% off sleep number 360 limited edition smart bed like I said special financing sleepnumber.com slash ham
0: back to juice did you think at that point at any time like are you looking around the league always counting because I saw you when you talked to the media at the beginning of the month uh You know about free agency. One thing you said was like, you know, yeah, I'm thinking about now. I'm in it now, but it's something you're always kind of thinking about every year of your career. Is like, you know, what's happening? Are you watching the league? You know, like your first, your second year in Baltimore, going, how many places, how many jobs are there, really, for guys like me? Like, how many of us are out there? And when it comes time to compete for a job, what what is it? Is it, is it twelve of us competing for six jobs? Is it fifteen of us competing for three jobs? Like, was that always a part? Is that always a part of the way you look at the sport?
2: i don't think so my first and second year um honestly i just don't think i was i wasn't aware enough i was just so just you know tunnel vision what can i do to make this team um that i, I don't think i was even i wasn't in any place to even be looking around the league to be totally honest with I honest with you and um i think almost a little naive to what was going on i don't think i knew um what a uh you know how close or how tight Uh, of a race was going to be and how hard it was going to be to make the roster and really make a a career out of playing fullback. You know, I, I think when I got, when I got drafted, that's really kind of all I was thinking about. Oh, all right. I got drafted. This team uses a fullback. That's all I have to worry about. It wasn't until probably year three or four that I started looking around. I'm like, dang, there's, you know, there's only 20 of us. Um, and not, you know, people need a reason to keep you on the, on the roster. So I'm like, all right, I got to start. You know set myself apart and give them a reason to to keep me around
1: okay let's fast forward then a couple years you become a free agent and i I, you know kyle just got hired john lynch and i vividly remember that they signed all these players right i mean hoyer was up there i I can't remember there was a tight end up there obviously you were up there pierre garcon was up there Mm -hmm. and uh the big story i mean you were the highest paid fullback in nfl history and it was like, you know, they gave all this guy all this money. Four years later, you, you know, you played every snap for him as long as you were healthy, right? Then, so, John, uh, John, then they get on the podium. They're like, oh, we call him an OW. And everyone's like, a what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah what, what was that? You know, just going into free agency, Kyle gets the job, and then they feels like they went full court press after you.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, San Francisco wasn't really on my radar until uh, late in the game. I just hadn't really heard from him too much early on. Uh, I had heard from a lot of the East coast teams, um, Philly, Miami, Buffalo, uh, they were all in there and, you know, funny story, uh, the night, the night before the Niners came into the mix, um, Buffalo was the, the leading team. They had the highest offer, uh, seemed like a, a good place for me to go play. And the night before, um, my wife, she was almost like ready to cry because she didn't want to live in Buffalo at the time. Like it, it we had, uh, you know, just start, like we weren't even engaged yet. Um, you know, it's not, when you are initially here living in Buffalo, it's like not the best place uh, to live. And they definitely weren't the team that they are now. Uh, things are a little different now. And now Buffalo, seems much more attractive. Um, yeah. But that night before we thought we were going to Buffalo, the next day I told my agent, I'm like, hey, if you can get San Francisco to just match their offer, I'm there. And so uh, he, he came to them with that, and they did. And, uh-huh. um, I mean, San Francisco, like we've seen, it's just been the perfect fit for me. You know, Kyle and, and Coach McDaniel just had such a, a vision for how they wanted to use me. Um, and it's just, you know, it was such a, a seamless transition.
0: Did you think – I mean, you, you were here at the beginning, like John said with Kyle, as most people know. I think the game – and that first year, you guys won six games, which for a first-year coach coming off the history that the Niners had had was, was pretty good. I, I think the, the eye-opening game was the week three game, the Thursday night game against the Rams, right? The color rush jerseys. Yeah. And the Rams went on to win the division. Everyone knew the Rams were like the Rams were ahead of the Niners in terms of development. Uh, what did you think of Kyle coming into that season? And like, was that a mo- I know from the outside, that was a moment when people thought, okay, this guy's got a team that's not quite as ready as that other team to compete maybe on a high level and they just went toe to toe was that an eye-opening moment in the locker room that game
2: yeah definitely um i had always i just kind of known kyle as the offense coordinator that he was and um just the uh you know the play calling guru that we all you know talk about but it wasn't until i actually got there and you know in a game like that against the rams that i saw just what kind of leader the guy was you know that The Rams were, um, you know, at the top of the league and, um, you know, everyone was kind of looking up at them and and for us to just go in there and not to play against them and just not back down whatsoever. And we've we've got a a team just full of, you know, I don't want to say no name free agents, but, you know, guys that um, not a ton of other teams uh, were going after, but Kyle felt like fit his scheme and he had a vision for what every guy was going to do and for us to go out there and have a, such a competitive, crazy game like that uh, and him lead us the whole way uh, was just one of those games, like I said, that you just recognize like this guy's more than X's and O's guys. Like he can lead people and motivate people to go out there and fight.
1: Well, it's weird. Like if you just if you didn't watch the team every snap and every game those first two years, the record wasn't great. That second year injuries, uh, Jimmy Terrace's ACL. You guys end up with a number two overall pick and it's just, you know. Then all of a sudden you look up halfway through the season, you guys are 8-0 and just kicking ass and taking names. And that season, was it something, obviously you guys think you're going to be good and everything, but once you start winning games, at what point did you go, we, we got a legit squad to make a run here? Was there a game? Was there a moment? Honestly,
2: yeah, it was, it was honestly pretty early. Uh, I, think, I want to say it was the first or second day at pads, and it was just watching our defensive line and that just seeing them absolutely get after our offense like you know people always talk about how in training camp like the defense always starts faster you know it takes a little a few more days for the offense to gel but this was just something next level we were not ready for what this defensive line was bringing us and we we had a hard time practicing first couple days they they were just in the backfield run or pass just absolutely wrecking us and Uh, I think it maybe. So I think it was the second day we were in pads. I was walking out with coach McDaniel and we both looked at each other and we're just like, dude, you can just see like there's so much more talent on this field than there was the previous two years. Like you, even just like, you know, the borderline fringe guys were just on a different level. You know, they're just, there were, there were no guys out there that you just, Oh, there's no chance he makes the roster, you know, in, in training camp, You know, sometimes you can identify guys that are, you know, they're just taking a a a swing on, and it was hard to find any of those. Like everyone out here, but damn, everybody can play. Um, So I think it was that moment that we knew we had something, Uh, and then obviously once we got out uh, on the field and um, jump out to that eight and zero start, it just validated everything that
0: we thought. And then you played in some incredible, like, the, you know, the Ravens game, the Saints game, uh, the Seahawks games. I mean, just some incredible games. And John and I were talking. The Rams
1: was, game was pretty good. The too. Rams game. I mean, we, hit the, we hit those passes yes. at the end.
0: The whole thing. Like, what was the most memorable game you think of that regular season? Was it the Seahawks finale? Was it the game in Baltimore? Saints?
2: Um, honestly, I think it was the Saints game. Uh, There's some. There was just something different about that one, uh, and maybe I'm just biased because I'm an offensive guy. And you know, we had a good game, uh, but I think at one point, at one point, we were down like 21 to seven or something. It was it was really early, and we were we were in like a two touchdown hole, and nobody really wavered on the sideline. Like everybody was still um, felt confident, and then we stormed back like real quick and I think we went into halftime like up one or two or something like that and it was just like something about that moment um it just felt like we were on a I don't want to be you know crazy but I just felt like we were on a destiny like this team was meant to do something um just because in that moment that we were down two touchdowns you're in New Orleans it is absolutely deafening in there deafening and they um are a legit squad like they they were playing some good ball and so for us to storm back and take that lead uh it just felt like it was against all odds uh it seemed impossible and for us to do that and then win the game the way we did with that crazy fourth down conversion by george and then kicking a field goal you know as time expired it just everything just in that moment felt like all right this team is meant to do something
1: well then the playoffs happened and I guess the, I, I was at the Minnesota game weird start with Diggs on that one drive but after that it was like those defensive linemen game over Packer game you made them look like UC Davis you going into the Super Bowl you know you get that two-week break what obviously I'm sure confident you're going to win what's that game plan that first week you're in Miami the second week what, what's that whole experience like <sighs>
2: That whole experience was just wild. Um, you know, it was my first time uh, being in the Super Bowls, and that for most of us, I want to say it was our first time. So we didn't have a ton of experience, um, you know, on that stage. And uh, just going through the week, that's the, I think that's the, the, um, the biggest thing, is that week down there in Miami. Um, and just going through all of, you know the interviews, um, practicing at the University of Miami, Um, you know, everybody's got family down there now and, you know, people are being pulled a hundred different ways and you have, um, you know, all these opportunities of, you know, fun, different things you can do. Uh, but you just gotta remember like why you're there and what's most important. Um, and literally just gotta lock yourself in the room, you know, after you're done practicing and whatnot and be like, okay, like, none of this is going to be worth it if we don't, you know, go out there and handle our business. Uh, so that whole week leading up was, <clears throat> so unique and something that I'm never going to forget uh and I, I truly did enjoy it uh it, it's a fun process and it's really cool to be a part of uh and then just that game um it's so you scored hard to a, you scored describe. a touchdown
1: in the Super Bowl bro I mean you scored <laughs> a touchdown in the Super Bowl
2: <laughs> I know and honestly like I don't even know if the magnitude of it hit me until this past Sunday watching this Super Bowl um I had a a couple friends at the house um, and we're watching the game and uh, just in the, like the, the pregame, like the 30 minutes leading up to the game, they're doing all these kind of like hype up videos and whatnot. And my wife and I, I can't tell you how many times we start like tearing up and like, like crying a little bit. Like it just brought back so many emotions. And it just like made me appreciate the magnitude of that game. Like, Literally, everyone in the world is watching that game. Everybody in the NFL wants to be there, um, and it definitely like it hurt watching it. Um, you know, I enjoy watching it just because I love football and I love seeing it played at the highest level. But it hurt, man. Like it, it brought me right back to that game, um, but it also made me appreciate, like you said, like scoring a touchdown in, in the Super Bowl is—it's uh, a small collection of people, and it's really cool to be able to say I did that.
0: Could you pointed? And you were pointing, like, your family was sitting, like, right right there, right? Right by the end zone? Yeah. The, um, yeah, we have a
2: great video of it, too. My family's literally, like, 20, 30 yards from me. And that's, that's exactly what I'm pointing at. And luckily enough, the people that were sitting behind them filmed the entire play, like, me going in motion, me coming down, catching the ball, jumping in the end zone. And... Hmm you get the view from the end zone of me doing that and then my family's right there in front of them just going absolutely wild and literally like anytime i watch that video i instantly get goosebumps it's it's just such a special moment
1: that's awesome what's crazy in a month time right you have these two incredible highs you win the division last play of the game at the six inch line against seattle Then three or four weeks later, you beat the Packers to win the NFC Championship game. You got Kyle up there hugging Mike. And then two weeks later, you lose. It's pretty devastating. I mean, I would imagine the low of losing the Super Bowl dwarfs the highs of those two, right? I mean, that feeling in the locker room. Worst experience as a football player? Yeah, without a doubt. It was such a weird,
2: weird feeling. It was just like such a whirlwind. Like you said, we were on – we we're on such a high. We are just at top of the mountain and that just come crashing down like that quickly.
1: It's like, and you're, kicking, and you're kicking their ass in the game. Kind of right. You're up. Exactly. Double digits. It's like,
2: <clears throat> sorry guys. Yeah. Into the fourth quarter, we're kicking ass. So you're still riding that high. Um, and for it to all come crashing down so quickly, like it's hard to even wrap your head around. It's like, wait a second, this is over. We just lost. Like, we're not the super bowl champs. Like this confetti is not for us. Like it it happens so quickly that you're almost confused, and Like you can't believe that, uh, you're in this moment and like, all this is happening. And it's just kind of like, all right, like, what do I do next? You know? And, um, it's, it's weird for the next like two weeks. I feel like, uh, performers have to feel this. Like when you're on like such a huge stage and you just, uh, have such, that energy, uh, you just feel this rush, and then it comes down. Like you're in like a little bit of a, like almost like a depression state for a couple of weeks that you're just like, man, none of this is as big as what I was doing. Like none of this really matters that much. Like all of a sudden I'm just in my house and it's quiet. You know, it's just, it's hard to, to fully describe the feeling, but like it is like a little bit of depression for a couple of weeks.
0: But then the next season starts And the team changes a little bit, right? I mean, obviously, the DeForest Buckner trade is really significant. uh, But you draft Kinlaw, you draft Ayuk. Ayuk quickly kind of looks like. And then these these injuries just start happening, like, every week. The same guy twice. I mean, it's just wild. Was there a point where you thought to yourself this past season, this year – I think we're good, but this year is not like like this. We gotta like this could be a problem. Like this might not go the way I want it to go.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think we we had you know the utmost confidence coming into the season. Uh, you know, even though we we lost in the end of that Super Bowl, we still felt like we were the best team in the league. Uh, and you know, we just had a couple of plays that didn't go our way, and we thought, man, we're just gonna build off of what we already had. Yeah, lo- losing Defoe, losing Emmanuel. Um, you know those are going to be tough to replace uh, losing Joe, but we felt like we had guys that um, could step in there and, and play well uh, right away. Maybe not uh, at quite at their level, you know, at, you know, game one. But we felt like the, all right, we got legitimate replacements. So we're going to be fine. We're we're actually going to be better than we were the year before. Um, but then it was it was those injuries, man. They just started piling up, and we never had a chance to really to gel or get that momentum going because I mean, we even had some of those injuries in training camp and we're like, okay, like whatever, like we're, we're an experienced team. We don't need those reps. Like as long as everybody's healthy for week one, we'll be good. Um, And I want to say we did have just about everyone healthy for week one, but no one had really practiced together. And we went out there and uh, you know, we got beat by Arizona uh, in a game that we still felt like we should have won. But you know, they were, they're a good hot team there in the beginning of the season. And, uh, you know, they snuck up and bit us. Um, So, but then we went into, I think it was the two New York games after that and we won, but we knew with like, you know, these weren't playoff teams um, and we weren't completely dominating. And that's when guys really started dropping like flies. So you're kind of like on that, you know, like, all right, we're two and one. uh, So, you know, you, you are what your record is. So at least, you know, we have a winning record right now, but we're not totally sure, you know, are we as strong as we thought we are? Um, are these guys going to be able to come back and play? Uh, there's there was a lot of questions. And I think um, after that, when things started going uh, poorly, it's like, man, these these injuries really are a lot. Um, and I think we thought we could overcome them. Uh, but I mean, you saw there at the end, uh, you know, we overcame a little bit, but it was you know, only to a certain extent.
0: Get on the Prize Picks app, just like me, and use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Football season's over, but hoop season is getting hot. Tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high stakes basketball moments this time of year. So get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. And you can get it on baseball too. I've got some season long, more or less picks. On multiple stat projections on home runs. Uh, not off, not feeling great about Shohei less than 38 and a half right now, but I put that one in the app just because I wanted something to root against with the Dodgers. Prize Picks offers injury insurance so that your entries stay live, even if one of your players get injured. So hoops, somebody leaves in the first half, no problem. Injury insurance. And on prize picks, you can win up to 100 x your money with as little as four correct picks i love it it's download the app today use code ham 50 for the first deposit match of up to 100 dollars. butcherbox.com slash ham helps you make good decisions last night i was thinking about ordering out and then i reached into the freezer grabbed some ground beef and all of a sudden it was homemade taco night with butcher box you don't have to worry about what's for dinner butcher box is offering all of you your choice of weeknight meal essentials you get peace of mind with butcher box because it's high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. You get the ultimate convenience because it's delivered right to your door with free shipping, as always, and you get the ultimate customization. Your customization might be, I don't know what to do. Send me the good stuff. And they send you the good stuff. curated. Right now, go to butcherbox.com ham and use the code HAM, and you'll get either 3 pounds of chicken thighs, 2 pounds of ground beef, or 1 pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a year plus $20 off your first order. Sign up at butcherbox.com ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer and get $20 off.
1: So the season ends now we're, you know, almost to the middle of February. You are a free agent. Uh, I, what, what's that like? I mean, it, you know, obviously you're an established player now and you're going to have options, but, are you nervous? or are you, you want to return? I mean, you and I have texted a little bit about that. Obviously you love Kyle yeah. and you want to stay, but you know, the way the business works, what are the feeling? what are you going through right now? Thinking about it?
2: Yeah. Um, free agency is, it, it's different, man. It's, uh, it is fun. I, I think I said in, um, my interview when I was, uh, when we were cleaning out our lockers, like nobody hates, you know, having a bunch of people tell you how good you are and how bad they want you on your team. And so, You know, I've been lucky enough to you know have the career that I have these past eight years. That um, I'm definitely going to have a lot of options. Uh, But I also I absolutely love San Francisco. I love playing for Kyle. I play. I love playing for Mike McDaniel. Bobby Turner, my running back coach, is an absolute OG. Uh, And you know, want to send him out the right way. Uh, But it's there's a lot more factors that come into play now. That I'm 29 years old. I've been married for a while. You know, we want to start a family soon. So. Uh, it's tough because our whole family is on the East Coast, um, and being out there on the West Coast is rough to uh, you know really have our first child and basically be alone. So that's that's something I have to um, you know think about and weigh in on my decision. Uh, but it's also you know it's football. Like I want to be on a competitive team. I know the Niners. Uh, I know that we can get back to where we were a year ago. Uh, so you know it's tough for me to want to just you know give up on what i started you know we talked you talked about that um that press conference where we all got introduced introduced um i felt like i was it was like a recruiting class at, in in college you know i did my four years at baltimore now i was going to go do another four years you know at my new school with all my new uh teammates and uh, I just felt like I was such a big part of uh, starting what we did in San Francisco that it is something I want to finish. So those are all things that are going to have to be, you know, uh, have to work themselves out. And also the the salary cap that makes everything a little trickier, too, because now, um, you know, teams don't have the money to spend that they thought they did. And, you know, it's not all about money, but a lot of it, you know, comes down to money. This is a business. not trying to work for free here, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I I am 29 years old, so I don't know how many more long-term deals I'm going to sign. You know, I I do want to, I have no plans of going anywhere for, you know, a good five or six years. But, um, you know, I don't think you're going to be signing uh, too many long-term deals when you're 35 and playing fullback. So this, you know, might be my last long-term one and
0: I got to maximize it. So let, let's make you a contract offer here, John. Can we, can we make a, an offer? How many years would it take? Like, I, Can we start with the
1: first offer two years? Are you Joe Douglas years? of the Jets? Because he wants to be on the East Coast. Sounds well, like I'm family. just wondering, like, <laughs>
0: I think we might be able to sprinkle a few other, a few other uh, uh, ancillary things into the contract, right?
1: Oh, yeah, We're one, what about a Zenny deal? Like yeah, Zenni, we, I see George everywhere I go. What if I, what if I back end you with some Zenny glasses? You know, it
2: feels, I didn't
1: even
2: think about this anything so you guys brought that up in your podcast the other day. It's just, like, ah,
0: George signs a contract and boom, Any billboards are <laughs> it's not just george it's the family like the whole kittle family right his wife's on the i've got like six pairs of those things he's
2: he's giving them out like candy man promo code kittle (laughs) yeah for real that's what i mean this is literally a discussion my wife and i have wife and i have literally every day uh it's just going through offers all right the niners offer this but the dolphins offer this like what what's our decision you know and that's It's something that it's, um, it is fun. It's a fun exercise to go through and uh, you think you know what you're gonna do, but it's not till uh, those actual hard numbers start getting thrown your way and you got to start putting pen to paper that uh, the magnitude of it really hits you and uh, you you don't truly know what
0: you're gonna do until you hear those numbers. Okay, so Miami. So she still doesn't want to go to Buffalo. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. We're, we're making it <laughs>
2: <laughs> But we're not rolling out Buffalo. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. I mean, you, see, you guys
1: played him. You see him? They're pretty good. I'll text Sean McDermott right now. I mean, they, they're pretty they're good. pretty nasty. <laughs> One thing I wanted to do, just because we hear about, even with Sala, but McDaniels, LaFleur, all these names of, like, Kyle's guys. But we don't know that much about it. and you always talk about mike mcdaniel's can we get a little scouting report i'm just gonna rattle off some names you give me the scattering report on the coach let's we'll start with mike mcdaniel's yeah. kind of i don't feel like anyone knows anything <laughs> about him but he's this genius he's an ivy league guy right yeah he he's Princeton, a yale guy he yale or yale
2: yeah he was a yale wide receiver um he truly is a genius. The guy is too smart for his own good. You can just tell when you're talking to him, he's got a million thoughts going through his head and he's already, you know, 10 steps ahead of you and in the conversation, like, and and then you'll see he has to wind it back. Okay. where, Where, what were we talking about? What were we talking about? I was over here. Um, but just absolute genius. Uh, probably, uh, I have the closest relationship with him out of anybody on our staff Uh, because I work so closely with him. He's literally our run game coordinator. And um, the fact that I do play so many different positions, like at times he's my position coach, Uh, because if it's not something that a normal running back or fullback would do, I have to go to him uh, and he'll give me the coaching details on it. I mean, guy was at my wedding. um, So super close with him. Just literally, I I can't say enough good things about the guy. He's an absolute beast stud.
1: LaFleur. Mike. And
2: then LaFleur. Yeah, yeah. LaFleur, uh, he's a, super sarcastic. I feel like that's our relationship. He's just always throwing little jabs at me, cause he, especially because he knows how involved I want to be in the in the uh, passing game. So, you know, we'll come in install and, um, you know, he'll have three or four, you know, kind of deep shots to me where, you know, I'm bluffing the linebacker running a wheel and be like, hey, Juice, like – enough enough plays in you for in here for you this week are you gonna ask for an extra million on your contract next year like you know it's just constant banter with him um but really on uh you know his x's and o's like I feel like uh he's gonna be such a good offensive coordinator because he is kind of an extension of Kyle and I feel like him uh Kyle and him really think very similarly uh so I think you're gonna see a lot of the same things in New York uh that you saw from Kyle in San Francisco. Sala. Sal is just a leader, man. Uh, he's a guy that everybody um, just wants to follow. He motivates. Uh, he gives the, the best um, Saturday night, like, pregame um, pep talks. Like, he, he makes you want to, you know, slam your head through the wall and, uh, you know, light yourself on fire. Like, this guy uh, is just the ultimate motivator, uh, ultimate leader.
1: D'Amico Ryans.
2: You know what? I don't have. I haven't had too much interaction with D'Amico. Like always, the you know, hey, what's going on, D'Amico? What's up? Like in the hallways. Um, but I haven't got to uh, personally interact with him too much and and see what he's like as a coach. I just know from the linebackers. Uh, you know, those are some of my tightest friends on the team. Um, they tell me just what a what a grinder he is and what a detail oriented guy he is. Um, I mean, Fred Warner talks about it all the time. Just how he holds everyone in that room to such a high standard uh, because he's played the position himself and he knows um, what it should look like and he's going to be on those guys uh, until it's perfect.
0: I, I love that the linebackers are your, are some of your best friends. That says a lot about you, I think. Yeah. Fred Warner.
2: Man, Fred, I, I, always, I joke with Fred. I, I feel like, and, and this is giving props to myself, uh, I feel like Fred is me five years ago. Just a guy that literally tries to do everything possible to make himself a better football player. Um, it's just 24 seven. That's one what that's what's on his mind is how can I be a better football player and whether it's eating, sleeping, any kind of recovery modality, um, the guy is just always locked into ball, super detail oriented, works his absolute freaking tail off. Um, and just, he, and he, he tries to do the same with everyone around him. He tries to bring everybody with him uh so fred is man the ceiling is so high for him and he's already up there so high so he's an absolute beast
0: one more player brandon Ayuk.
2: i love brandon man um i have i have a special relationship with brandon because he has a locker right next to me we pulled our hamstring the same day in training camp so we literally went through the same rehab we're with each other every single day uh, so I felt like I got a good inside look at Brandon and just how kind of how he ticks. And this is a guy that just wants to be great. So bad. Like he wants to put in that work. He wants to grind. Um, and he, he just wants to do it. It's not something that he's being forced to or feels obligated. Uh, you know, I was a first round pick. I got to live up to these expectations. No, like this, it, this was in him, no matter what this guy was going to want to be successful. Um, and he just, he wants somebody to follow, you know, he wants, um, you know, a good veteran leader. And we had a couple uh, at some points during the season, we had, um, Muhammad Sanu, uh, in there for a little bit, but I feel like he would really benefit, um, you know, how Debo did with having Emmanuel Sanders in the locker room. He just needs that mentor, that veteran receiver, uh, to, to show him, uh, exactly how it's done. Uh, because if, if he sees it, he's going to, emulate it and put his own um style on it and, and he's he's just going to be great man because he wants it so bad
1: well well going into that week 17 game Pete carroll basically went on a recruiting pitch to you uh gave a long talk <laughs> about you. then he gets a new offensive coordinator and it's the rams guys so i'd imagine they're going to run the offense now that's you know i know the east coast but that's me and guy were talking before you hopped on we got them circled they're <laughs> Sniffing around for
2: you. That is very, interesting. very, very interesting. And I, um,
1: did you keep an eye on Seattle. that? The different coaches that went different places. I mean, for you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely.
2: I,
0: mean
1: I
2: have to. Yeah, I have to, because not everybody um, implements a fullback in their offense. I know I spoke in my uh, press conference that, you know, also not everybody has me on their team. So I do think that um, teams can tailor their offense a little bit of, uh, you know, around me and find a spot. Um, but yeah, that's definitely something, um, that I had to keep a, a close eye on is, all right, you know, where, where are these, um, you know, West Coast offense guys going? Uh, but yeah, I, when I was coming out of college, uh, I actually, I had 12 official visits because I didn't get invited to the Combine. Uh, so everybody really brought me out to their facilities and Seattle was one of them. Um, and I was, I was, uh, I, I had a really good time there and I really enjoyed Pete as a coach and um, just how relatable he for being an older guy, uh, he was very uh, relatable with players, um, just kind of an easy guy to talk to, and uh, I had a good experience with him. So I have a ton of respect for Pete um, on that personal level, and then also, I mean, Seahawks, we know,
0: you know, as 90s yeah.
2: guys that year in, year out, Seattle's going to put a, a legit squad out there.
0: So a um, ton of respect for him. Joe, why don't you ask, uh, you had a good question about, because we say, because kind of to that point, well, why don't you ask it? about the shanahan offense yeah about just all the guys out there because we just start seeing all these guys and we're like well
1: all those are destinations yeah we just talk about the shanahan offense which is basically just the zone running scheme but like you said a lot of them you look at you know arthur smith in tennessee or the green bay packers they're not using a fullback but partly like you insinuated they don't necessarily have you i mean do you feel all those teams all his guys throughout the league would be interested like are you expecting to get a lot of calls from those type offenses or is it just because they've morphed away from it and kyle's unique that way what is the shame no, i mean i don't even know what it is really like how would you describe, <laughs> yeah, I, I know so. what i think it is how do you describe it i
2: mean it, honestly it it's hard it kyle's offense is whoever he has on his roster that year i mean kyle's offense with Robert Griffin and Alfred Morris is different than what it is with Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle. You know what I mean? Like Kyle is very adaptable. um, But I do think there, there are some key things that always, um, that are always in there. And like you said, like I think there are guys who run that Kyle offense um, around the league. And I I think it's just, you know, like you said, it's that, it's the wide zone um, offense. It's, using a, a fullback or a lot of guys might be use that second tight end um, as that extra blocker and just not a ton of three receiver sets, you know? So I, I guess, I guess that would be a, a simpler way to kind of, you know, wrap up Kyle's offense.
0: It's good. I know that yeah, it works. Definitely.
2: <laughs> I know we want you. We'd love to
0: see you in it again.
2: No, me too. I definitely would. Like I said, I, I, um, extremely happy in San Francisco and love to be back there and, and continue to, you know, finish off what we started. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of things that come into play.
1: We've already kept you way too long. What's on the agenda the rest of the day? Get a little pump in, uh, you know, do a little film study? Or are you just chilling, drinking? What do you, what's on the agenda today?
2: <laughs> uh, I got to work out. Got to work out here at 1 o'clock. Um, just really starting to get back into it now. So
1: uh, it should be a good one, though. Juice? good luck man hopefully see you back don't want to lose you out here it's great having you man thanks for making time yeah, promo thanks, code thanks bro appreciate it yeah promo code hand promo <laughs> code hand <Hamm. laughs>
2: see
0: you guys all right john there was Kyle use my only other regret was i wish the tom brady video had been up by the time we talked to uh, juice <laughs> on wednesday he could have gotten his take on drunk brady
1: <laughs> yeah we could have how great was drunk brady well, I, I just think when you don't drink all year and then you have, you know, three white claws, you're pretty tank, <laughs> And you're on the water, in the sun. they You know, it, it, I, I, I'm i so jealous of Florida. Those guys are rocking and rolling, living life, having a good time. Uh, yeah, I, Brady's living right. Ultimate trust to throw the Lombardi at Gronk over the water. Big time. Got arm it. strength, John, arm
0: strength. <laughs> yeah. Brady's still got the arm. Uh, You know, look, uh, talking to Juice was awesome. Uh, as we said at the beginning of the interview, we'll react to a lot of what he said on YouTube, but you do get the sense. It's just, he sounds like he understands. It's going to be really hard for him to be back with
1: the 49ers. It's unlikely. Yeah. I, I just think there's so many moving parts. Uh, probably, yeah. Like you said, unlikely. But who knows? I, I just... Some of these rumors going around about quarterback shifts like that, you're talking Jimmy situation. You're talking $20, $30 million moving around. Who, I, I just... Listen, we overreact for a living, and when I say overreact, we react to the news, and sometimes we get excited. I think the amount of information right now—it's February 11th. Right. We'll just there's a lot of shit that's going to go down. Typically, the combine is when at least Juice finds out who his market is, finds out where he's going. But I think right now, Kyle's a you know really good player, right? Five Pro Bowls, and I mean a legitimate Pro Bowl level player. But he's just—I've seen these meetings, I've been in them priorities are the higher paid guys and he's you know our our guy that you get 40 50 million dollars guaranteed and then you work your way down right unless there's a team that only has a couple spots and goes all in for them and that's where he has to balance i you know it's a tough spot and he's it's it's he's got to wait too because free agency doesn't start till march 17 we don't even so. know what the salary cap number is they're, it's, they're guessing right now yeah
0: yeah and they're guessing that it's lower and that's kind of what he acknowledged too yeah um all right man great stuff Go check out more of what we had to say about what he had to say on our YouTube channel.
1: Yeah, very cool. Love that guy.
0: All right, John, mailbag time. Very simple. Here's what you do. You leave us a review on iTunes, Middlecoff, and in that review,
1: you leave a question. These are our people, guy. These are our people in the (laughs) reviews. Uh, they, they, They keep food on our table. That's right. We would love for you
0: to put your real name just because I always I don't look at these until we're about to do it and I stumble all over everybody's screen names. I know, but here we go.
1: When, when people say food on their table, like the super rich guys mean like steak, I, I just mean like a Chipotle bowl. Yeah, we're not asking for much here. <laughs> no, I mean a cheeseburger. Uh
0: cheeseburger. Uh, AJ and NorCal. Great show. First sledgehammer intro took the pod from good to great. I'm glad you like it. It's probably going to have to go soon. Uh,
1: do you think we can call someone to see, you know, like Simmons did with Pearl Jam? I don't he know. Is I'm guessing,
0: I'm guessing the ringer still has to pay like ASCAP fees or whatever all that stuff is. Yeah. I don't know if Peter Gabriel is um, a still with us and B a sports fan, but
1: we could reach out. If they find out in like three years and we're ten times bigger than we are now, could they sue us for like the last five for years? The backlog. Been using I think they yeah. probably could. We'd have to probably remove that stuff.
0: Okay. Um, the day you left 95.7 was a sad day for me as an avid listener. I started listening less left uh, less once Papa left. It was all over. Way to not retain talent. Silly. See, this is why I don't read these until they're here, because I like finding out what, what is said with with you and everybody together. Uh, here's the question. With Wentz and Darnold worth a one, how much is Mariota, uh, Mariota worth? His contract's affordable, I think, with two years left. And the historic play, he's way better than Darnold. Couldn't the Raiders get a solid defender or a decent pick for Mariota? Todd is awesome. Keep it up. Thank you, AJ and NorCal.
1: Could they just do a player for player swap? Does yeah, that benefits more. Could you just get like a solid linebacker or like a a DB that a team doesn't want?
0: Maybe we always talk about nickel corners when it comes to player for player swaps. For some reason, maybe they're undervalued players, but well, at least they're not they anymore because a, a, yeah. a
1: nickel corner is a starting corner. Uh, I don't know. You see DJ, as in Daniel Jeremiah thought that the Wentz compensation would be like a second or third this year and the one would be next year. Interesting. You know, so, and yeah, I don't think he's just throwing that out there. Uh, I I, I do wonder, we've been in the Bay Area for a while and it it was just for a 10-year run, just, you know, the buy or the seller had so much control like you would try to buy a home or a condo or whatever, and there would be 50 people at the line. So the seller was just like, it's on like Donkey Kong, right? I'm going to pick who's buying it. The number's going to go way higher. It's the opposite for Carson Wentz. Like the the buyers are in control. You know, Howie, who is a great negotiator and a great wheeler and dealer, he just doesn't, doesn't have the leverage, right? And I think that's what's kind of bugging them is because they have this asset that they spend a lot on, but he's a distressed asset. Like he's not viewed at and they still might get a first round pick like next year or whatever, but if you would have said three years ago you trade Carson Wentz, we would have been talking like what are they getting? Like three ones and two twos or something? Right. So it's it's probably once you really start hearing what your guy's worth to other teams, I do wonder if it's a little jolting.
0: Right. There are a lot of the Bay Area market. Right. There's a lot of sales that happen in homes with no contingencies. Like there are people who are buying homes. Just it's so competitive. They're just waiving the right to do an inspection. The problem for the Eagles is everyone has the inspection paperwork on Carson Wentz. And it's not good.
1: Yeah. I mean, right? it happened to me, guy. I got bent over when I. Yeah, it's just
0: it's 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 the nature. But it's not uh, to your point. That's a great analogy for Carson. It's just not the situation there. And now that said to A.J.'s question. I, you know, historically, yes, Mariota's had some better play than Darnold, for sure. I don't think he gets you more than Darnold, which is why I like the idea of a player. Because I, if we're talking about a pick, he's asking, what's the decent pick? I think we talked about it before. I, I don't think you're getting better than a fourth um, for him. So, yeah. Right? Four, is that where we settled?
1: Kind of feels like that, yeah. Okay.
0: Next up. Good question, AJ. Thank you. Uh, this is from B-Raw. I listen to a lot of Fox sports media, especially Cowherd on the road to recovery. Uh, Trent Dilfer is a frequent interview across many shows in war. There are those troops that carry regret because they survived and their brothers didn't. I can tell Dilfer doesn't truly think he deserves his ring because that defense carried his team. So is the 2000 Ravens repeatable? NFL is so different than that. You fellas are
1: great. I, there's a lot going on in that, in this mailbag question. <laughs> I don't get that that much with Trent on the ring. I And I've listened to him talk a lot. But I'm sure many people have because he's on a lot of these type shows with Russillo Coward or whatever. I, I sense his regret was when his physical talent was special because he kind of came in yep. high pick. That he got thrust on this shitty team. He was around low-level coaches. And by the time, he always talks about like home grin. And once he got around like really good coaches, he was so much older and he kind of broke down. I do think his physical gifts, throwing the ball and his love of football, his regret is more, at least from my opinion, just listen to him talk, in the early mid-90s when he was this physically talented player. He was on the equivalent of I. I mean, I don't even know if there probably is one really in the NFL right now of like what a joke. It'd be like probably it, like the Timberwolves or something. You know, the Kings the talking about the decade. Bucks. Yeah, yeah. T- Steve there, Young's like a, Steve not Young said, "Get me the, out of here." Right. There's not a Bucks in the NFL right now. Would you agree with that? Like Stafford was with the Lions and he had success.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. Um,
1: the Browns and the Raiders.
0: Have everyone's even so shook. much richer now too, right? Um, from a from a team standpoint, so you can buy coaches that are better. Uh, so I completely agree with you. I haven't thought of it in these terms, but I don't think I, I don't ever, I've never talked to a player who feels like they won a ring. They didn't deserve ever. I've never gotten that sense from a player and I don't get that from Dilfer. I think what you do get a lot is what you just said. And I, I did a, uh, we did a podcast the other day and afterwards I, I made a video for LinkedIn, John, just cause I was like, oh, let's try a LinkedIn video. <laughs> About Brady and, and, Get on the, that guy. Uh, and the it was uh, rave reviews. It's been all over the internet. Not really. Uh, but the point was like what's different about Brady, like for anyone that doesn't do a job that requires you to be in your physical peak to do it well, which is almost all the jobs, your prime is not 32. Right? Your prime's like 45, 50. Fifty-five, when you really know everything that it takes to know to do your job at the peak peak, to be in total control of, of your environment and to be totally locked in, to have control of the the operating room or the the courtroom or the podcast or whatever you're doing, you're not in your prime at 30. Well, you're gonna be better salesmen at fifty than you were at 30. You're gonna know more people. The problem with athletics is that you don't by the time you know everything that like puts you at the top of the like mental pyramid your body can't keep up with you. And that's what makes Brady so unique is like he extended this window where his body is taking advantage of the things that I would bet Dilfer would say, yeah, at 42, I I felt like I knew a lot of the things maybe that Tom knows, just the physical part of Tom. And you pointed this out the other day after the Super Bowl. is like, we don't talk enough about just Tom, the football player. Right. And this was part of what I was thinking is like Tom's arm strength is very good. It's Part of what makes him different than Breeze and Rivers and Manning at the end of his career is that his arm strength is so much better than those guys' arm strength was at the end of their careers.
1: It, it's I, why Roger, it's why Rodgers could have. It's why Rodgers is next so five unique. or six years.
0: I think you're spot on with Dilt. Like, and I think this you get from players all the time. It's like, man, I wish I knew at 28 what I knew at 35 when it was too late for me to take advantage of it. So I'm with you. I don't now to the other part of the question: Is it repeatable? I mean. It's an outlier. I don't think it's – for as much as we talk about quarterback play, I don't think it's not repeatable to a degree. What would we be saying about the Niners if they had won the Super Bowl last year and then had the same exact year this year? We'd we'd be going like, ah, it turned out Jimmy was not the strength of that team.
1: Yeah, I think what's different is – I mean, Ray Lewis is one of the probably top two or three linebackers of all time. You know, Rod Woodson on that team. Deion was on that team. I just think the, the league has changed. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's inconceivable. I mean, teams that win have great defenses. I think what separates them is that they were led by the defensive player of the year who's an all-time great player. Is Fred Warner that? You know, or I guess the Bucks weren't really this year. I think great, if you have a great defense, you have a chance to win a Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ed, Ed, Ed came in
0: in 2 and they won that Super Bowl in 2000. Uh, good question, B-Raw. Appreciate you. Uh,
1: Anytime we can get a war crossover. Well, I think what was pretty special about the Ravens is, like, they had that great defense. Think about some of their picks the next, like, four or five years. Ed Reed, Haloti Nada, Terrell Suggs. Like, what made them great is they reloaded and they nailed... Are those three Hall of Famer? I mean, Ed's a Hall of Famer. Haloti and Suggs are going to be in the mix. I mean, that's... That's a pretty good run of like, well, how'd you get rid? Re- how'd you replace Sam Adams? Oh, we got this guy named Helody. Mm-hmm. What, what'd you do with, uh? you know, what'd you do with a pass rusher? Oh, we got this guy named Terrell Suggs. I mean, it's just pretty unreal run.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and the fact that, you know, Ray was still around 12 years later when <laughs> yeah. they won the Super Bowl again, or yeah, 12 years later. Uh, ben the Great. Hey guys, big fan of the pod. Been listening for years. Kyle's a good coach and his ability to scheme plays is top-notch, but what are your thoughts on his offensive scheming getting in the way of the success of the offense? Seems like he's so locked in on getting a player that fits his scheme, pocket passer that stays on script, that when QBs play a little schoolyard type, he shuts that down. If he gets a player like Watson or Zach Wilson, do you think he'll get them uh, create, extend plays, or will he try to mold them into his beloved Kirk Cousins? Well, we just talked about it with Juszczyk, actually, on the podcast, right? Kyle brought it up. He's like, look at what he did with RG3. When you asked him like what is his offense, Kyle's answer was his offense is whatever his players are. But this gets back to this question, which is okay, well, what's his quarterback? I don't think he would try to mold Zach Wilson into
1: Kirk Cousins or Deshaun Watson into Kirk Cousins, though. Yeah, I think I I think somewhat that question is unanswered. Because the consistency beside the one RG three year, and I think looking back, that it's been proven that was forced on them and they just they did what they had to do to survive, and it turns out they were so good and thrived. I mean, they made them the rookie and of year. And, yeah, they survived and thrived. But like, I think these next couple years, how they pivot off Jimmy this off season, will tell us a lot. I, I don't know if we can answer that question yet.
0: Because uh, like, someone DM'd me the other day. Kittle down the middle was the guy's handle, and he asked a similar question. So you're right; it is something that people are asking a lot. Like,
1: like I think people like Andy they use Andy as an example. He's had. 25 years of being a head coach and all those different, you know, Donovan to Alex to Michael Vick to Mahomes, right? You just right. go, oh yeah, he'll do whatever. Kyle right now is viewed as like, yeah, he wants cousins. Yeah. Um, all right. Next up. Uh, this is from A.
0: Perdomo. When will we get an Al Davis versus the NFL breakdown? Did you watch that 30 for 30 last week? I just, I watched probably the last 20 minutes. I watched it. I loved it. I know some people were the uh, the deep fake Al Davis and uh uh what's his Roselle. name? Yeah, Pete Roselle was uh was weird. Uh the I was convinced the deep fake Pete Roselle. I was like, "Who does this sound like?" And then the next morning I woke up and it hit me. It sounds he sounded like um George Steinbrenner from Seinfeld when Larry David's doing Steinbrenner. That's who the fake Pete Rosell sounded like. I loved yeah. the whole thing though. It was great. I, I, I'll uh, I tell you my favorite part, but what, what the, how about you? What did you think of what you saw?
1: You, well, I just watched the last part when uh, he basically, L.A. didn't come through on their promises. The, the thing, Al didn't have any money, yet he kept dictating all these terms, whether it was Oakland or L.A. It, it, it wouldn't even be possible now. I mean, Mark somewhat did that, but the league, he was in cahoots with the league. What was separate is Al was like this renegade, Trying to do all this shit, the league was fucking didn't want him to do it. He didn't have any money, and the league—you just watch it. God, the league didn't have the money. Yeah, it was—it was a profitable endeavor, but what they are now, relative—I say all the time—the Brady Manning are the Bird and Magic of our era, or of my lifetime for football, and like Bird and Magic. The NBA in like the 60s and 70s wasn't some ching, 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 ching. Bird and Magic was like rocket ship. And then Michael just took that rocket ship and landed it on the moon. To the moon. Br- Brady and Manning, you know, kind of like you just watch clips of the NFL in like the 80s and it feels more like a mom and pop shop is unfair, but it's much closer to a mom and pop shop than what they are now. Them guy.
0: playing Them playing a game on ice? How about that game? i don't raider fans will remember better you probably didn't see that part there's one i didn't see it you know al is pissed at the league because they made them play like a playoff game on the field was iced over like i i don't know if it was a i don't think it was the super bowl but it must have been a a big playoff game like the chiefs or someone or denver it was iced over the field was iced and they were you know they were a more wide open offense it really hurt them they were not ground and pound uh two other things that i loved one, did you see the part? I don't remember the name of the town. There was a town after Al was mad at the Coliseum in L.A. or the Rose Bowl. Some town gave him a $10 million non-refundable check to, like, move 15 miles outside of L.A. You know, the town's name is like, I don't even know, San Bernardino or yeah, something. Yeah, just say say the town's name was uh, Jonestown. Jonestown gives him 10000000 million non-refundable. So he's like, yeah, I'm coming. And then the the voiceover's like, uh, uh, you know, you've never heard of the Jonestown Raiders, so you know what, well, you know what's about to happen. And of course, Al kept the money. but well, whatever it was, they took a shot. It was non-refundable. They gave him ten million bucks. He had every right to keep it. And he didn't move. He didn't move. But I, you know, it just who knows why it fell apart. But they had a big sign on the highway that said, you know, Jonestown, the new home of the Raiders. But they never got yeah. there. Um, th- then the other part, he's suing the league. The Chargers owner is like his sworn enemy. The Chargers owner goes into court. And Al thinks is this lies. Is this
1: before the Spanos family had owned the yes. Chargers?
0: yeah. This guy goes in the court and Al's, Al thinks this guy's a liar. Like besmirching his name, just a complete liar. The guy leaving the courtroom has a heart attack and has to be ambulanced to the hospital. The so, owner. The owner. So yeah. Al has to talk to the media and on one hand be like, I think this guy's a piece of shit. And on the other hand be like,
1: what thoughts and prayers? Yeah. <laughs> I saw the part. Him and Roselle hated each other, right? Like yeah. Mortal enemies. Yeah. When I get Pete retires, and when he's retiring, he's in tears, and you realize, like, guy's walking away from the commissioner of the NFL, and I wonder if it was a little bit like you got in as an early startup, and you see where everything's trending For and how sure. big this is gonna, I, was. He forced out? Did he retire on know. his own volition? I, I didn't know what was. I just that's kind of how I come in. And Al, they go to Al, like, and he's and he gave him a lot of props. He's like, "Listen, we've been at we've been warriors and in, in the in this like uh, battle zone for a while." But I respect his tenacity a little bit, like the way Donald and Hillary talked about each other, right? They like had this ultimate respect, you know. Like Hillary was just he, he Donald would always talk about Hillary like she was a bulldog because she is like a fuck I wouldn't fuck with Hillary Clinton, and a little bit like Roselle and Al they. They were kind of two peas in a pod just on different ends of the of the spectrum. Uh, I, Roselle, there was... Because Al was at the West, representing the West Coast, but at the end of the day, he's a New York guy. Right. And he kind of brings and, that uh, fucking he, crazy
0: he did. edge to him. And Pete Roselle had to hand him a trophy like three times. And there was the <laughs> one scene where they're like, the players are, are, are catcalling. Like they are talking shit to Roselle. And the story apparently is that like the players were going to pull a prank on Roselle. And the key was going to be if Al said, thank you, commissioner, when he took the trophy, then it was that's the signal that the prank is off. So they show it like Pete hands him the trophy and Al's just quiet. And the player's like, well, you know, they're making noise like and Alice is waiting, waiting. And then he says. Thank you, commissioner. And that means the prank is off. I, I don't know what they're going to do, but all right. Um, next mailbag question comes from uh, we did be raw. We did age in NorCal. Sorry, I'm jumping all over the place here. Bill in Charlottesville. Awesome job, guys. Keep it coming. Fan since radio now living in Virginia. Don't want to have to kill your boy, Andy, but with a patchwork offensive line at some point, don't you have to move outside the pocket, get Mahomes outside intentionally, or keep more tight ends, not Kelsey, in? Tough spot, but bad game for Andy?
1: No? Question mark? Uh, I, I would say his one fatal flaw as a great coach is... He's going to go down passing the ball. It's just what he does, who he is. And it's probably at the end of the day, like it is a separating factor, maybe why he doesn't have two or three Super Bowls and he has one and maybe his career will end up with two, right? Instead of like four or five. Where Belichick is like a stock trader who is completely numb to the products. I mean, he does not care. His game plan is irrelevant what happened the previous week. Like he's not tied to a scheme. He's not tied to a play. And he is tied to throwing and like they they busted a couple runs in that play they're not built to help the tackles blocking right Kelsey is not Kittle or Gronk that's not his thing uh and he's their best pass catcher really right he, he was he just,
0: in that game he had a
1: great yeah game. so it's just it's a tough spot for him uh if you want to crush him I would just say probably going to lose anyway with that once you just watch the offensive line probably should have attempted to run the ball what 30 times yeah or it, I thought I, I think you, coaches say it gets hard when you get down
0: See, that's yes, I thought you know they came out running the ball in the second half I, I just I didn't think they could afford to I did think not getting rid of the ball fast like it did feel like every play they were trying to take a, thir- a 25 yard shot as opposed to yeah, just
1: the west coast offense that I think Andy was known as in like the 90s like Favre and Holmgren the west coast offense that's in the trash <laughs> you <know? laughs> if you watch the Chiefs they don't you could argue they were just fucked the moment their tackles are out. Like it's yeah, just, I think you could. For argue them, that. it'd be like, you know, Stephen Clay are out. You're going to lose. Uh, Peppa is six feet tall
0: with our last question here. Big fan of the show. Do you know what that means? No. Big fan of the show. Do you guys think Justin Herbert can be the guy that breaks the Chargers' curse and wins them a Super Bowl? Plus, what's his ceiling? I mean, their team's really good. It's I don't think he can break the curse if his coach isn't good, though. Um, which is a
1: pretty big unknown.
0: Which is a pretty big unknown. But I, I mean, at this point, you'd have to say, how could you not think that he's good enough to do it? Um, but you'd like to see him get close soon before he gets really expensive because the talent around him is pretty high. It's They got a good team. Like I, problem is they're in the AFC.
1: Uh, but yeah, short answer, yes. I think he's good enough. I think the standards are going to be pretty high this year. Like they're going to be probably a sexy playoff pick, right? Their roster is really good. Uh, he's on that rookie contract. I think these next two two years uh, are big for the guy's career because you can build the team around him, right, because he doesn't make that much money, maybe even three. You don't have to pay him after his third year. Uh, I think his ceiling is sky high. You know, probably not Mahomes, but – it's as high as anyone if Mahomes had never lived like part of it is like well not Mahomes yeah that's just throw him in the tree like Mahomes is his own little category can he be a pro bowler for the next 5 years 100% and if you have a pro bowl quarterback every year and your team is talented like theirs is why can't you make a run but the this is a coaching league as much as a talent league and they're hiring a guy that was in John Carroll in 2016 so it's just we'll see second highest ceiling in the league right now I mean, Josh Allen's got to be pretty high, right? Yep. Josh, I mean, Justin's better as a rookie than Josh Allen was. But the pushback I'd have is just J- Justin didn't have to win any games to get any credit this year. Like he was losing them all, but right. it wasn't his fault. But no, but like, that's a great. What point. happens in a tie game, Raiders, and they're both six stadium. And two, right? He hasn't played in front of crowds yet in the NFL, really. That's something A lot of guys though had good seasons, but at least like Rogers threw forty eight touchdowns. Like I know he can. Yeah, but I've seen him the... do it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, good mailbag, everybody. Appreciate you that guys. Something submitting. to keep an eye, that is something to keep an eye on though. Even big like time. Josh Allen, Herbert, Carr. Yep, had big bounce back years, and it was maybe Carson Wentz thrives with the fans. Maybe that's what that's what Kepka says. He just says maybe he's a, a little more. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. It's a good call. All right. I'm, I'm serious. No, I know you are. I
0: think it. I think it applies in every sport. I think it applied in baseball. I think it's applying in basketball. Um,
1: so I think it'll apply in football too. What's the little guy's name? In uh, <clears throat> Altuve. Maybe Altuve just had a down year. It wasn't the trash cans. Yeah, the people. It's, it's
0: <laughs> great call. All right. Uh, on that note, give us more mailbag questions for next week, everybody. Lighter.